Welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. Here we will deepen your understanding of human and spiritual integration so you can live the life of peace and fulfillment God has for you. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez. I hold a degree in theology and am a licensed professional clinical counselor and certified trauma therapist. Join me weekly for practical applications of the spiritual life. No part of this audio is to be used as mental health treatment or clinical advice. Please see a licensed mental health professional for personal consultation. Hi, and welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. If you're a returning listener, we welcome you back. If you found us for the first time, you're most welcome to join us. And I'm Margaret Vasquez. I'm the host of Wholeness and Holiness Podcast together with Father David Tuckerhoof. And we're actually um, resuming a conversation that we started in our last podcast. And what we're talking about is human and spiritual integration and just how essential that is to a life of spiritual growth and human maturity. And in our last podcast, that was episode number four, and we were talking about how a sense of communion with the Lord, personal integration, and charity towards others are really the hallmark of um, of connection. We just use this general term connection because it essentially means connection to God, self, and others by communion with the Lord, personal integration, and charity towards others. So don't be fooled by the secular term. It's just every bit as spiritual as you can get. And the principles that make up that connection, regardless of if it's to the Lord, to ourselves, or to others, um, is that aspect of knowing that we're chosen by the the Lord, that we're known intimately by Him, that we're valued completely by Him, and that his protection and provision is for us in every aspect of our lives. And then what that flows out into is openness and, um, and that authenticity that comes from a place of, of freedom and knowing that we're so perfectly loved. And, um, and so then what we're going to get into a little bit today is talking about personal integration and which essentially is our connection to ourselves and then charity towards others. And just really happy to be able to bring this to you because what we really see flowing from this is peace, freedom, and just really great relationships. So if you're looking for those things, for peace, freedom, and great relationships, you've come to the right place. So welcome aboard as we start into this conversation Welcome, Father David. Margaret, thank you. It's really good to be back uh, again. Uh, these two areas that you've, you've mentioned, uh, of human and spiritual integration and uh, charity towards others, obviously based upon relationships. And I, I'm uh, thinking of this as you're talking about it, and we're concentrating on it. And it's it really comes down to uh, the whole notion of mercy, the mercy, uh, mercy towards ourselves and mercy towards others. I know, for example, 
Pope Francis has mentioned a couple times about this notion of mercy, and the popes, the last four or five popes, have all made major contributions to mercy. So what we're really looking at is uh, developing a culture of mercy, a special culture of mercy, where we're able to learn how to gradually grow in mercy to ourselves and how we extend that in in mercy to others. And our whole society and culture right at this time is in a tremendous state of confusion and alienation and attitudes of violence and attitudes of feeling lost and incomplete and just feeling, you know, like nobody cares, nobody's for us, nobody's... So when you talk about the authenticity of self, (laughs) it flies... In the in the face of what's going on in culture, so these this notion of personal integration and and and, and uh, charity to others is really something that we have to get uh, look into because it's so important for our whole life and our well being and our relationships with others. Yeah, and it it can seem ironic at first that um, that we really have to start from a place of, uh, of that personal integration before we even look at charity towards others. You know, I think a lot of times we we're ready to, um, to move forward in charity towards others without having that charity towards ourselves. And, um, and we know from scripture, that's not really, it's not really the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be love your neighbor as yourself. And so the presumption there is that we do love ourselves, right? Um, I remember in sacraments class when we were studying marriage, they would always say, you can't give what you don't have. Meaning if you, if you don't have self-possession, then you can't give yourself as a gift to another. But I think that's really true in any relationship, not just marriage, right? If I'm, if I'm not compassionate towards myself or understanding or accepting or patient with myself, I'm not going to be able to have that towards other people. And, and yet it's something that I think a lot of times when um, when we're coming from a, a more, you know, kind of churchy kind of place, we can tend to think that doesn't sound holy. It should sound, you know, it should be my, my focus is, is other centered, you know? Um, I've just seen so many times, so many ways in therapy, how it's really what you see at the, at the root, at the core of that breakdown in peaceful and, um, and really great relationships is what's going on with the individual themselves. So, and, and, you know, let's see if we can throw Thomas Aquinas in there. He says, what's received is received according to the mode of the receiver. Right. And so that ties us in from that connection to the Lord. So if my mode of receiving is that I'm not lovable, I'm not going to be able to receive those things from the Lord. And then that mode is going to be the same mode by which I go out and relate to other people. So it's really getting that mode of operation <laughs> set to to a positive place, a place of that we're lovable and that ultimate authority on that issue comes from the Lord when he says that 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 he loves us, then that's that that perfect ultimate authority that's spoken that word as our creator and then internalizing that what that really looks like my connection to myself then needs to be one of those same principles so 
I have to choose myself. I have to choose to engage with myself in a positive way, in a way where um, where I'm looking to grow in maturity and grow in spirituality, but really um, from a place of of patient engagement and um, an intentional engagement instead of I'm just, you know, kind of like an automobile moving through the world and through time and through my days instead that um, what we would talk about in counseling is like metacognitive ability, the ability to think about what we're thinking about. So kind of intentionally choosing ourselves and, and then knowing ourselves. So um, just to, to define that again, it'd be that we're seen and heard as individuals who are very good. And so having that same stance towards ourself that back in Genesis, when God created man and looked back over creation and he said that it was very good. Um, and then that we're valued and we're valued inherently. It's based on our dignity as children of God. It's not based on some arbitrary metric of our looks or money or status or performance or productivity or any kind of external factor that you can put on there, that it's really rooted in who we are as God's children. And then from that flows that openness that we can have, even just being comfortable in our own skin, which I think is something that, um, that takes a lot longer than we might think it's going to take when, when we're little kids. I think a lot of times for people, that's a, um, that's a, that's many decades of getting to that point. And that personal integration is really where, um, of our relationship to ourself in those ways where we're able to that much more fully drink of those living waters from the Lord relating to us in those ways. And that's really essential before we even get to loving our neighbor. That's really good. And that's a, that a sort of, uh, Margaret, you present a, a good vision with uh, solid principles. But what my experience is in uh, relating to most people, both young people and adults, is really uh, a couple of things. The attitudes are not always good. You know, the, those attitudes, they're thinking about themselves. Uh, they don't really, they sort of cover over sometimes uh, native uh, self-thinking uh, about themselves in a negative fashion. They cover it over, don't admit it, don't see it, are not aware of it. So self-awareness can be very superficial. And then sometimes when it gets to where you become aware that there's some really negative features in the way we, the attitudes we have to ourselves that bring happiness, uh, dishap- that don't bring happiness, but bring dissatisfaction, to bring sometimes discouragement. And Satan just loves discouragement because he can get in there and lie and keep telling people how bad they are. And so attitudes are really important to clarify about what are the attitudes I have. It's not just a matter of the right principles, but it's more so also it's the attitudes that we have. And then the next thing is self-talk. You know, you'd be surprised at people's self-talk. You know, they uh, when they make mistakes, they put themselves down. When they, they think about themselves, I can remember one person talking about uh, 
her friends and the group of friends that they had. And uh, they would say to her, you know, we're going out for this or for a little bit of partying tonight. And would you go along and we'll meet you at such and such a door or we'll meet you outside. And she'd go out there and they'd be gone. And this happened a number of times. And uh, when I was talking to her, you know, she was really self-talking about how just because she has physical disabilities or just because she's younger or just because, you know, they don't accept her as at the same level of, of, of friends as they accept others. And so her self-talk is not good. So it's attitudes and self-talk reveals those attitudes. And so sometimes we have to help people get in touch with what they really, really think, the attitudes they have and what they really think about themselves. That's really good. And from you sharing that, you made me realize I, th- I think I skipped over boundaries. So, because that's really what you're talking about at the core of what, am, what does it mean that I respect my own boundaries? And that's that I don't put myself down in my self-talk, right? I don't beat myself up and I catch that like critical voice inside that's, you know, kind of beating me up or, or something like that. Then then I like stop and, and make an intentional choice. And a lot of times it is choice. You know, it's not just that we wake up one day and we have warm, fuzzy feelings towards ourselves, but making that choice to love the same way we make our a choice to love anybody else, you know? And, um, another way of respecting our own boundaries would be like not overextending ourselves. You know, I think that's something that especially in today's society where there's so much busyness, we can just tend to overcommit and overextend. And so then we just really run ourselves ragged and then we don't have enough time to accomplish the things we need to. And so then the stress is just really excessive. And, um, and I think all those things end end up impacting our self-awareness because we're so consumed by the awareness of this really um, like frenzied uh, schedule that we're trying to keep that we don't even have just like the the space, you know, kind of the time and the space and and the quiet to even in our own brains just because we're trying to accomplish and achieve so much and everything so, so project oriented and so driven and, and that kind of thing. So, um, so I think that the, just by revealing those problems that you were highlighting, it, it, it jogged that, um, that notion for me that I had left out talking about boundaries for ourselves, but it's every bit as important as respecting the boundaries of each other. If those are just really ways that we need to be treated in order for things to work well. So, so boundaries are really crucial. Staying with the topic of boundaries. I, I, uh, I think that's right. I think what you're saying is right on the money. The problem is, I I really, when I thought about it, well, I've never really thought too much about how developing boundaries and, and, and not even just for myself, but, you know, I, I, I thought about it. I was thinking about boundaries for myself as I'm not, not sure what my, what, where I've set my boundaries really. And then I was thinking, well, how about, what about others? And then I'm thinking, you know, how am I going to relate to others? 
if if I don't have good sense of what the authentic boundaries are for myself as a person, how am I going to set boundaries in relating to others? I violate other people's boundaries by interrupt them when they're talking, by uh, displaying negative attitudes towards some of the things they say, or you know, I can remember. A couple times I was in conversation when I took a position and I got really caught off guard because a person would just very angrily say to me, you know, well, I I totally disagree with you. And then I would say, you do. I said, hey, come on, don't you read the Bible? You know, <laughs> don't, don't you think that these things aren't in the scriptures? I said, then, but tell me why you you don't, you disagree with me. And they, they couldn't tell me or they wouldn't tell me. So they leave me kind of saying, you know, what's the boundaries here? I, am I, I wasn't intentionally violating the other person's boundaries, and I'm still not quite sure about how that outburst of anger really. I think I, I think my boundaries were violated. So, do you have anything to say about these, this business of boundary setting, which is a big thing? You know, there's a concept in counseling where they say you train people how to treat you. And, um, and a lot of times we're kind of, when we're used to people relating to us in a certain way, or maybe even more to the point, they're used to relating to us in a certain way. And then we kind of become aware of this notion of boundaries. Then it, um, it's probably best to set boundaries in a neutral time, right? In a neutral moment, not in the heat of the moment. And so if there's a way a person chronically behaves towards me that's, um, that I'm not comfortable with, then I could go to them outside of that time and say, Hey, you know, when this or that happens and you, you know, you respond in this way, I'm not comfortable with that. And so can we do it this way instead? This is going to work a lot better for me. And, um, and then that way we actually, what we actually do is give the other person an opportunity to exercise charity towards us, which is actually us exercising charity for them by letting them know what we need. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's really a gift. There was a, I'll just share this little story because it was an experience. It was a humbling experience, but it was, it was it's an honest situation. It's an experience by which I learned what a gift re, re, uh, boundaries are. And this, this moves us into the, the notion of, um, connection with others, with charity towards others. That's the, the whole boundary notion, right? That's boundaries towards myself, but, but respecting the boundaries of others and, and sharing our boundaries with others. And so on this particular occasion, this friend of mine who was living in the same town as me, um, it, we often would do things together. I'd, go over to her house and just watch football games or go shopping or walk our dogs together or whatever. And so I had called her one weekend and said, Hey, do you want to go to the mall or go to a movie or something this weekend? And she said, no. And, <laughs> and I said, Oh, I said, well, you, you have something, something else going on. And she said, no. <laughs> and I, I said, Oh, okay. Um, well, uh, it was kind of, you know, kind of a little bit miffed, you know, I kind of felt like, wow, isn't like, wouldn't we do something together or do you might somehow set aside? And, uh, 
And this might've happened a couple of times. I'm not sure. But eventually she said to me, she said, look, she said, I'm just very introverted and I have a really busy schedule and I really like weekends as time to recuperate. And so you're welcome to come over here and, you know, watch TV or watch a movie or whatever, just hang out. But I I don't really want to go anywhere. She said, I'm, she did, she had a very draining job. And, um, she said, I just want to, I'm a kind of a homebody and I kind of just want to hang out at home on my weekends. And, and she said, and you're so intuitive if we go somewhere that, and I don't want to go, you're going to be able to feel that. And you're going to assume that it's your fault that, that I don't feel happy about the situation. And that would be unfair to, to you. And she said, so how about this? How about if I really want to go somewhere and do something together, then, then I'll do it. And if I don't, then I'll let you know that I don't want to. And then the advantage of that is you never have to wonder. You never have to wonder if we go somewhere together, like, does she really want to be here? Does she really want to do this? And I was kind of taken aback because, you know, you're so used to high school or college where I think the presumption is kind of like, aren't we buddies? Don't we hang out? Isn't that what we do? And um, so to actually have this conversation where it's like, no, these are what my needs are. I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, it wasn't some sort of fake wall. It wasn't some sort of rejection or however I had been experiencing it originally. It was really just her saying, this is who I am and kind of how I work and what I need in order to recharge. And, and I really came to experience it and relating to her as it really was a gift. It, um, and then the super cool effect of that was it freed me up to do the same thing with her and be like, Hey, you know, do you want to come here? And I'd be like, uh, not really, you know, but it wasn't like if, if she needed something, you know, if I needed help with something, she would be there. So it wasn't a selfishness thing. It was really just expressing needs. And that was something that I'd never had modeled for me and something that I had never really experienced. And, and I think it was so beautiful that she just took the time and the patience to like explain it to me. And I really just came, it totally changed my relationship with the concept of boundaries. You know, before that it was, it felt like distance. It felt like some sort of like somebody keeping me at arm's length, some sort of aspect of rejection or something which is totally contrary to what it was. And, um, so it was great. And you can just really see how there was so much charity in her letting me know those things. She could have easily out of cowardice, not shared those things and come and felt impatient and felt aggravated. And then, um, you know, kind of taken it out on me, uh, even unwittingly, you know, and then you, and I think a lot of times those things do happen in relationships and, um, and causes unnecessary burdens and tensions and frustration that if we just had the courage to say, Hey, this is what I need, then things could be so much more peaceful and, and less complicated really. You sort of, uh, Margaret, you sort of touched on a problem that I think goes beyond, uh, the, the whole notion of boundaries and, and boundaries can benefit from this. And this is a, I think I lo- I'm in the later years of living in religious life. In the early years, when we came into religious life, uh, there was never any teaching about how you handle relationships, how do you, how do men deal with themselves? 
in relationship to the others. And so I think the bigger problem behind the difficulty in setting boundaries is communication. And so then as you get older and you're under authority and uh, in the early days, uh, you didn't have any say at all. It was a matter of you got a letter in the mail telling you that you were now, even though you didn't weren't particularly trained to teach high school, you you get a letter in the mail saying that you're going to be going to Philadelphia and teaching high school at uh, Bishop Newman in South Philadelphia under the Walt Whitman Bridge, you know. And I say, man, I, I I'm I'm supposed to teach two English. I've never had literature in English. I don't know how to even begin. I don't even know what books to look at, you know. But you just did it. You're just told to do it. And I think that's one of the advantages of modern-day sociology and psychology. It's really, in a sense, teaching us that we have to learn something about how to do communication. And I think uh, I just mentioned this one thing because I read the Pope Francis's book called Let Us Dream, and in it, he's talking about the problems in the Amazon, the whole region of Amazon, which is a big southern region all over the world. And <clears throat> he said that they, after three years of meeting and discussing and everything, they couldn't figure out why the, the little communities and the Indian people and the people in the, in the mountains and in the bayous were not getting the kind of uh, spiritual and personal care. And it was a big problem. And what they came to see was the problem was the, the young men that were being trained and uh, in in the seminary and coming through and ordained in the Amazon culture were leaving it. They were going to Europe and going to the United States because it was more comfortable and life was easier and the ministry was different. And so they saw that. And the, they, the Pope immediately recognized this as uh, the problem was relationship and the problem was lack of communication. So what he did is something that I think is uh, interesting. He, he first of all said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to have more married deacons when they started to come to the solution of the problem. And he said also we're going to start building little Christian communities in these places in the different areas of the Amazon. But we're going to put women in charge of the, the communities. And well, immediately people are going to say, putting women's in charge of building Christian community. Well, the truth is they do relationships, as the Pope said, they do relationships much better than men do. So why wouldn't they, you know, put the women in charge of developing the relationships and and and, and not the men who are always looking to the projects and accomplishment and the, the doing and my worth comes from everything I do. But I always felt the whole way along I had this sense, even in my earlier years, the real problem is communication. Where can you get a class or a seminar that teaches people how to do communication, especially when you're into negative situations or disagreements that are emotionally charged with people? I think communication is something that really needs to be taught and not caught. It needs to be taught so that when you know the principles of communication and you want to do relationships and you want to do communication, then you, but you really need to be taught the, the, what it means to communicate in situations that can be sometimes difficult. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And that, that's seminars on communication or something that big, agencies and organizations a lot of times spend 
big money on because they realize how essential it is to the proper operation of a situation. Usually it ends up that the end game is that they're going to be doing things more efficiently. You know, I've always seen it as when we get the being right, then the doing flows, you know, the doing will take care of itself. The doing falls into place, but the being my, how I'm being with myself and how I'm being with another person. Um, when I was a program director at an agency and I didn't even have money in the budget for this. And so I did it, you know, I, I footed the bill myself, but I took my team out, um, for a day at a, a place, um, where they had, they had all different kind of fun things that karaoke, they had bowling, they had, um, some arcade games. They just like lots of, uh, billiards. They had lots of different stuff in, in there and, and a dining place and whatever. And so we spent like the whole day there and I footed the bill just because I wanted them to get used to being together before they had to start doing together. And, you know, it was really beautiful because the next day we went as a team and bought the supplies that we needed for the office. And it was so nice to see it like already, um, because there was one of the women wasn't able to be with us when we went shopping and the others were already after one day of being together, they were already watching out for her. Oh, I think this, I think she would really like this for her office. Oh, I think she would really like this. And, and they were already doing that. They didn't know each other and they were already doing that because they had learned to be together. And I think that's just, it, it so speaks to, um, to the, to the, really the core of the matter. You know what? We find ourselves at time again, Father David. I think we're going to have to do another podcast on connection. Well, on connection and on uh, particularly on charity towards others in that relationship. So do you have any final thoughts? No, but I I think when you once learn the principles and you have a certain degree of self-awareness and see, sometimes we find it hard to really face ourselves and the authenticity of who we are. And and until we come to that to some degree, we're always going to have problems with communicating in a positive way because we're always going to run into emotional challenges that can be uh, can, can trigger negative responses and i think it's really important where in whatever we put our hands to we really should have a good sense of what it means to communicate because that's important in terms of personal integration and what we'll talk about the next time which is relationship to others Thank you, Father David, and thank you to our listeners. And if you're interested in in my books, More Than Words, The Freedom to Thrive After Trauma, or Fearless, Abundant Life Through Infinite Love, or Father David's book, Evangelizing Catholic Culture, all three of those are available on on, um, Amazon. (laughs) And if you'd like more information on Sacred Heart Healing Ministries, please go to Sacred Heart Healing Ministries. Dot com. Thank you so much, and may the Lord give you peace. Thank you for joining me for today's show. Please subscribe and share, and check us out on wholenessandholiness.com. Follow and like us on social media. And to learn more about Sacred Heart Healing Ministries, please go to sacredhearthealingministries.com.